Hello, my name's Florence. Welcome to the OBS pod. I'm an NHS obstetrician, hoping to share some thoughts and experiences about my working life. Perhaps you enjoy Call the Midwife, maybe birth fascinates you, or you're simply curious about what exactly an obstetrician is. You might be pregnant and preparing for birth. Perhaps you work in maternity and want to know what makes your obstetric colleagues tick, or you want some fresh ideas and inspiration. Whichever of these is the case, and for that matter, anyone else that's interested, the OBSPOD is for you. Episode 25. Names. How can I want to talk about names for a whole episode, you might ask? Well, actually, I feel there's quite a lot to say. When I was new to Twitter, I stumbled upon the late Kate Granger. At that stage, I didn't know about her Hello My Name Is campaign. I simply saw her tweet, a complaint that healthcare staff did not even introduce themselves before starting talking to or treating her. I was new to Twitter and I naively tweeted back that I could not imagine that in the NHS this was happening in real time. She answered me. I didn't realise at the time how incredible that was. And she assured me that this was very much happening to her at that point in her treatment. The dramatic success of her common sense campaign, Hello My Name Is, absolutely astonished me, both then and now. How could we possibly start an interaction without saying who we are? It's the basic niceties. It's common sense, it's polite and it's the way we behave with people in all aspects of our life. Why would medicine, why would healthcare be any different? So if we start from the assumption that we're going to say, hello my name is, what do we then say about who we are? There is a difference of opinion. Do we go formal or informal? During my training Consultants were very definitely known as Mr, Miss or Mrs X. However, as I've gone on through my medical career, I have stopped using my formal title and I introduced myself as Florence. Hello, my name is Florence. I'm a consultant. And this formal or informal choice is quite a topic for debate. I see it on Twitter and I hear it in my own department. It did make me laugh when, with the Hello My Name Is campaign, the communications department of the hospital went round and took pictures of us holding up the Hello My Name Is sign. And one of my consultant colleagues held up a sign saying, Hello, my name is Mr X, as in Mr and then his name. I sort of felt that defeated the purpose I feel if I'm meeting a woman as an equal, it's easier to give her my forename rather than for me to be very formal. Being formal potentially gives me power, puts me in a position of authority, and I don't believe that's right. So that's why I use my forename. However, using my forename can lead to confusion. 
Sometimes when I come into clinic and introduce myself, hello, I'm Florence, I'm a consultant, a woman might say, oh, no, I'm here to see Miss Wilcock. And then I have to explain, yes, that's me, I am Miss Wilcock. Sometimes it leads to confusion as to what my role is. If I introduce myself as Florence, the consultant, do they hear the consultant bit? Are they clear that I'm a doctor, an obstetrician and not a midwife? And that may not matter, but it may matter if they know that they've been sent specifically to see a doctor to have a consultation about a specific issue if they walk away thinking they've seen another midwife. So the role is important. The most confusing situation I've ever been in, in terms of my role, was when I had a woman who was having a caesarean, who was very, very worried about her anaesthetic. She was more worried about her anaesthetic than she was about the actual surgery itself. She was very determined that she should have a consultant anaesthetist to do her spinal. I arranged this. It wasn't an unreasonable request. It was a planned caesarean. There was a consultant anaesthetist on hand. And I did her caesarean as a consultant obstetrician. At the end of her caesarean, she turned and said, thank you so much, nurse. And I just found that totally astonishing that having wanted a consultant anaesthetist to do her spinal anaesthetic and having had great concerns about the experience and ability of the person that was going to do her anaesthetic, the idea that she thought that I, who had done the caesarean, could be a nurse. When I was earlier on in my consultant career, I would find that if they'd seen another doctor in my clinic they might assume that they were the consultant and that I was the specialist trainee. I've even been told when I've introduced myself as Florence or Florence Wilcock that a woman has told me, no, 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 I've seen Miss Wilcock before. I've met her and I've had a consultation with her and she isn't you. And I've even had a a five-minute argument with a woman saying, No, honestly, I am Florence Wilcock. Whoever you saw before wasn't me. And a woman has insisted, no, 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 you're you're not Miss Wilcock. And I don't know if that's to do with age. Sometimes I think the confusion is to do with sexism. So if I have a male trainee in my clinic, it's more likely that people will assume that he is the consultant than I am. And I know that I'm not alone in finding this. I know from social media and from talking to other doctors that women doctors are not infrequently assumed to be nurses, midwives or more junior than they actually are. One of the strange things about names is that we work extremely hard as medical students. Um, Personally, I did six years in medical school to get the title doctor. And when I was first Dr. Wilcock, I was so proud of that title, having qualified as a doctor, starting to look after patients. 
the slightly strange thing about a surgical specialty, which includes obstetrics and gynaecology, is that then we undertake our postgraduate training, our specialty training, and work extremely hard all over again, study for very many years, and pass some membership exams to effectively get rid of the title doctor again and go back to being miss or missus. It can be confusing to women that when they come and see me, they're told they're coming to see Miss Wilcock. Is Miss Wilcock a doctor? The title isn't there. And in a surgical specialty, that is the convention. We are no longer known as doctors. Doctors are physicians. But that can add to the confusion. Further confusion occurs because many of us are married women with dual identities. I, for example, have a different professional name and married name. I stuck with my maiden name for my work. And this leads to the oddity of me being known as Miss Wilcock at work, despite the fact that I wear a wedding ring. This can lead to quite hilarious events where I can't remember what name I've used where and sometimes leads to me when I'm out and about in a shop or giving my details. When somebody asks what my name is, I hesitate um, as if I don't actually know what I'm called. And what I'm hesitating about is I'm not sure what name I have given where. So my professional name is part of my professional identity. And that also might be why I've partly moved to calling myself Florence. I am Florence wherever I am. I am Florence as an obstetrician at work, but I'm also Florence as a wife, mother and woman at home. I am Florence. That is my my permanent identity. People do make assumptions about people's names. I remember when I first met Jill Phillips, I approached her through her website when I wanted to talk to her about doing some work with her game, Who's Shoes, in maternity. And when she got my initial inquiry from Miss Florence Wilcock, I think she imagined a very different person to the person that I am. Perhaps quite formal, perhaps quite elderly, perhaps quite proper, which actually isn't really me. So far I've talked a lot about my name and professional names. Now I'm going to talk a bit about women's names. Women's names can challenge us a lot. I work in London. London has a very diverse population. I can have a clinic waiting room with an enormous variety of nationalities, backgrounds and the names that go with them. Picking up a set of notes and calling a name out to the waiting room can be a nervous moment. I hate it when everyone stares back at me and no one stands up. Obviously, I must have messed it up so badly that the woman hasn't recognised that I've called her. I might call again or get another member of staff to try. If I've obviously made a mess of it, as the woman comes into the consultation room, I apologise and I say, I'm so sorry, I've clearly messed that up. Please tell me how to pronounce your name properly. Usually, if they will tell me and I 
repeat it again once or twice, the next time I see them, if I do see them again, I have a better chance of getting it right. It does tend to stick a little bit. And the other issue is to think about what is their name that they like to be called. I am aware that different cultures treat names differently and that sometimes we as health professionals can end up calling a woman by what we believe is her full name but actually isn't. So getting a woman to explain what she would like to be called and not making an assumption is very important. I'm aware from personal experience that not everybody uses their forename. My own husband is an example. He's known by his middle name. And if anyone ever rings up asking for him by his forename, we know straight away that it's telephone sales because no one calls him by that name ever. So it's very useful to ask women what they wish to be called, write that on their notes, and that makes life much easier. And it's very helpful when a midwife has underlined the correct name to use, particularly if a woman has multiple names. I know sometimes I've done the embarrassing thing of calling out what I believe is a woman's forename and actually turns out to be her surname and not what she wants to be known as. So getting a woman's name right is really important. And I mentioned this in one of my earlier episodes that when I go round on a ward round, I try and address the woman by her name as I go into a room. So it's the same in my clinical setting. Hello, my name is Florence. And then how can I help you, Sophie, for example, today? So that we're on first name terms, we're equal, we've established that link between us and we can have a good conversation. I find it difficult when other members of staff talk to me about women anonymously. That is, there's a woman in bed 34 who has this, that and the other problem or the woman with raised blood pressure or the induction. I find it very difficult when I don't have a woman's name. It dehumanises her if we don't use her name. It's much easier if I have the name and I particularly find it interesting when people try and give me a summary about a woman and her clinical condition and I will stop them and say sorry can you tell me her name and then sometimes I realize it's someone that I actually know really well. So starting with the name is really important and it's a bad habit that we get into to talk about rooms or bed numbers or clinical conditions rather than starting with somebody's name. They're a name, they're a person they're like us and we need to keep grounded in that. It's really important. Moving on to names of other staff, women may be astonished to know that we don't know all the names of the people we work with. We have so many staff and only a small proportion are on shift at any one time. And part of the reason we don't know everybody's names is that we have trainees from all sorts of different departments. We have people who rotate on different dates. We might have GP trainees, we might have paediatricians, new anaesthetists, ONG doctors, 
the ODP who is assisting an anaesthetist might be coming up from the main theatres. We have students, both midwifery and medical students. So we will have a pool of several hundred people and we'll only have 20 or 30 on shift any single day. Sometimes it feels like you work with a certain set of people all the time and sometimes it feels like you haven't seen someone for ages. But there is a considerable turnover of staff. Even if lots of people aren't leaving, you've got newly qualified midwives every year. You've got people going on maternity leave every year. You've got specialty trainee doctors coming on rotation several times a year. So some of them change in August, some of them change in October, some of them change in April, some of them change in February, some of them change in September. It's it's very complicated. So we could end up going to theatre or being on labour ward with people that we don't know the name of. I find it very difficult to remember people's names. I find it easier to remember what people look like. I think I have a bit more visual memory. So I can sometimes describe people in quite intricate detail, but I can't remember their name. We'll wear name badges and that's helpful. And sometimes on a ward round, I might be squinting to read the midwife's name badge just to kind of remind myself what's her name. So in theatre, when we're wearing theatre hats and theatre masks and now in the time of Covid when our masks are being worn much more it can be quite difficult to recognise everybody and know their name. So I started having seen on social media the idea of the theatre cap challenge. So I started writing my name on my hat. So I started to write Flo on my hat or Florence on my hat. And I had done that for some time, just writing it on in pen onto my disposable hat. Then one of my obstetric colleagues went on maternity leave. And because I had been writing on my hat, she very thoughtfully bought me and gave me a cloth theatre hat that says Dr. Flo Obstetrician. And I absolutely love that hat. It's so clear who I am. It's clear to the women and their partner. It's clear to the staff around me. And I started wearing it. I did have a little bit of the mickey taken out of me. Um, People said that I looked like I was, I should be baking or that I looked like a peasant wearing a cap. But uh, I loved that hat. It it made it really clear who I was. And some of my other colleagues in anaesthetics and obstetrics started to get hats too. In an emergency, having your name on your hat is so helpful. One of the key things about an emergency is closed loop communication. That is saying to somebody can you do this, Tom, for example, and Tom saying, yes, I'm doing it. So you're giving instructions to very specific people and communicating back and forth. So I absolutely love it when I know very clearly who I'm talking to and if they have their name on their hat. It might be someone I've known for ages, but it might be someone brand new. 
So having a name on a hat is really valuable. During COVID, this became more difficult. We were told we had to switch back to disposable hats. And obviously then we were wearing visors and we were wearing masks. It makes it harder to communicate, harder to hear each other and also harder for women and other members of staff to see who is under all that paraphernalia. So some places started to develop stickers, stickers with names and photos that we could put on our visors. And I think that is a really good development because it's really important particularly in a theatre environment, which is a bit more stressful, that women are really clear who we are, that we're people underneath all the equipment and that it's really clear and easy for us as a team to communicate with one another. One of the benefits of being a consultant is I have a fixed labour ward day and one of my anaesthetic colleagues has a fixed labour ward day with me. So a lot of the time, she and I are operating together and that definitely helps our communication. But for the other members of the team to have their name on their visor or on their hat is really, really useful. In today's zesty bit, I think what I need to say is, remember, hello, my name is, introduce yourself always there is absolutely no excuse not to. Think about how you introduce yourself. So introduce yourself as your name, but also I would suggest your role to try and make it less confusing for women. Check with women what they would like to be called. What is the best name to use for them and are we pronouncing it correctly? And I've included in today's programme notes some links to the Hello My Name Is campaign, theatrecaps.com and ppestickers.com so that you can have a look and think about hats with names, stickers to go on visors and really how you can improve knowing the name of everyone you work with and using names in the clinical setting even if you're like me and you struggle to remember them. So I do hope you've enjoyed listening to the OBS pod. If you have, do like, subscribe or leave a review and join me again to explore more about the life of an NHS obstetrician. I'm finding it really exciting to have people listening and give me feedback about what they've found interesting. So please do recommend the OBSPOD to other friends, colleagues or people who you think might find it interesting. I'd love it if you'd share with me what you've enjoyed about listening and if you've done anything differently as a result. I can be found on Twitter at FWMaternity and at the OBSPOD. And please do check the MATEXP hashtag hashtag M-A-T-E-X-P and the website matexp.org.uk for more information and ideas on how to improve women's experience of maternity care. Finally, I'd like to reassure you that I take confidentiality very seriously and although I'm talking about experiences from my working life, I'm taking great pains to make sure that I anonymise the stories 
and talk in more general terms so that I keep confidentiality of my women I currently care for and have cared for in the past very safe. Many thanks for listening.